Hello, here we are. Welcome to Let's Become a Beloved Society, Conversations Illuminating Your Path to Wholeness. I'm here with our co my co-host. I'm going to try it, Mary. <laughs> like lasagna. Lasagna. Ardania. Yes. Close enough? Mary Ardania. Yes. Got it. Okay. Perfect. Those of you that have joined us more than once, you know that I struggle with this every time I get to the introduction. Um, so let's start things off right away and uh, remind people that you can, <clears throat> depending on what platform you may be joining us from, you may be able to put things in the chat and we'll see it. If you put something in the chat and we don't respond to it, then that means for whatever reason, whatever platform you're on isn't streaming it to us. Uh, if you go to Linda Lamp on YouTube, uh, we know that that stream does push the comments all the way through to us. The other way you can get your questions to us is to call or text to the studio line, which is on your screen at 907-351-3003. You can also join us via Zoom, uh, and that Zoom meeting number is 886-8976-8646, and you don't need any credentials to, uh, to do that. There's no password on that meeting, and that meeting is also recording, so we're hoping that we'll get uh, a transcript We've been trying for the last three sessions to get a transcript from Zoom. So we'll see if that's going to work today. Uh, okay. Also, Mary's added to her uh, screen her email in case you don't see it. If you want to reach out directly to Mary, it's marylaughsloud at gmail.com. And again, the studio phone number is 907-351-3003. So we do have some questions that have been submitted. Uh, let's see. I'm going to start with a question that came in, and we, we were going to talk about this last week, and I don't think we did. So we're going to uh, start this again, and hopefully I'm not, we're not repeating ourselves. Neither of us can remember what we don't think we actually dug into this uh, question. So the question is, and it starts with an assumption or a statement, God doesn't punish, which is true. That's a true statement. So if we don't pay a price somehow for whatever horrible things we do to a brother or sister here on the level of form, then why would anyone feel the need to be a better human being? Why not just go on judging? So this is an excellent question. And it, it really speaks to the heart of human nature, even more than God, right? Um, we understand that, that the energy that created us is divinity. And so there's no judgment in divinity. And, and there's just love. That, that's all. The love of creation is what exists. So... When we do something that hurts another, there's no judgment on the part of divinity that we did something bad. That's not how it works. 
we're loved no matter what we do. If we do something that society has determined or judges as bad, that doesn't mean that we've lost any love from divinity or God or the universe, whatever makes you comfortable, whatever term fits for you. We are in our nature good, right? There isn't a single one of us that was born bad. There are not bad people. There are no bad human beings. There are human beings that do things that are not good, horrible things, mean things, deadly things. But it's important to understand that the way life works, that doesn't make them bad in their nature, just bad in their behavior. Mary, do you want to add anything to this? Um, I mean, the question is, I, I agree with everything you said. The question is why, if we're not being punished, would we not do bad things? Isn't that right? Is that what the question is? And I think, you know, the answer to that, to me, is if we're, you know, living our true nature as little bits of divinity, then, you know, why would we want to hurt anybody if we're trying to create our loving world here, heaven on earth, and also if we understand the oneness aspect of things that we all come from divinity, you know, like we're all little sparks of the same thing, then why would we want to hurt? It's like if we're all in the field together, why do we want to send those damaging vibrations into the energetic field? Right. Even from a self-interested perspective, it's like, you know, I don't want to cut off my toe to punish somebody, right? It's So that's to me what I would have. Yeah, yeah. Right. Why not just go on judging? Well, I think the reason we wouldn't go on judging is we would come to that place where we understand there is no separation. So when we're in a mode of judging, as much as we may be judging something else or someone else, we're judging ourselves because there is no separation. Everything is connected and a part of the one. So it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting situation to try and imagine uh, when we have people that that do things that hurt others. Perhaps the most important thing once we realize that gee, we're all basically good by our nature, right? When there's a burning building, people don't run in the opposite direction; they run towards the building. They they want to help. When there's a car accident, people run towards it, not for the purpose of judging, but for the purpose of helping. So I think the dynamic to remember is that when, when we're in a place where we're hurting others with our actions or our words, 
it is most likely because we're in some kind of pain or hurt ourselves. And that's really probably the key to change on this planet, right? Is being able for each of us to identify when we're not feeling whole and safe, when we're lashing out at others, it's a sign that we're in some way hurting in ourselves. And judging itself is buying into the separation. Like we can't judge unless we're going from a place of separation. It's like, it's so funny because everything feels murky. And before this, Linda and I were talking about the dying donkey energy is still pretty high today around this cast that we're doing. And I feel like there's a screen between me and the words I'm looking for. But like the judging energy is the... Judging is resistance energy. Right. So whenever we're judging something, we're resisting on some level because we're separating and then saying this is right and this is wrong and this is good and this is bad. And all that does is fuel that resistance and the duality and the strife and the struggle energy. And what we're trying to come to, well, me speaking for myself, is the place of letting life be what it's being as we try to infuse the loving energy. So instead of fighting with what is, you know, we let it be what it is. So that over there can be what it is and I don't have to judge it or say it's good or bad or wrong or right even. It's just what is and life knows what it's doing. The universe knows what it's doing. God knows what it's doing. I believe that. So I can like, you know, that word surrender, but that's really where I've come to understand it. To me, it's like, okay, life is right. The universe is right. And I know that because in retrospect, I can look at things that have happened and see a pattern that I can't see in the moment. And so once I accept this is what is, and my part is just, you know, to infuse the love over here to the parts I can affect. Yes. So that's another reason not to judge. <laughs> right, right, right. Yes, thank you. Um, this is a nice segue into another question that came in. Let me see if I can find that on my list here. Um, there's a movie. There was a movie, and the, the person who was asking the question didn't remember the name of the movie. But there was a movie all about saying yes, right? Oh. You're supposed to say yes to everything that happens over the next whatever period of it was in the movie. And... Um, the, the question is, uh, 
how how can it be possible how how could you ever say yes to everything there's so many horrible things that happen every day how can you go around saying yes so uh this this ties in with this conversation about judging as well because if you don't say yes then you're saying no which puts you into a resistant energy and if we come back to the notion that life is right no matter what we don't have to like it but in terms of its divinity and, and divine form, it's right because it is what is. It's what's yeah. shown up. And so I know in that movie, I recall that movie, and I can't remember the name of it either, but I do recall seeing that movie. And uh, in that movie, the, the point is to say yes to everything and watch how your life will change. And... Uh, it, it's quite interesting what happens, and I suggest we all try it. It's a very interesting exercise um, to, to attempt to say yes to whatever has shown up. That doesn't mean you're liking it. Right? Right. There's a difference between, yes, I like this, and yes, I accept that this is what's here. Right. There's a poem by E.E. E. Cummings that I saw on a greeting card some many decades ago. <laughs> yes is a world, and in this world of yes, live. And I fell in love with that quote, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to start living my life being a yes, being a yes to everything. And, you know, at a certain point, if you start doing this, you realize, oh, that means I have to be a yes to everything, not just the things I like, not just the things that make me happy, but I have to try being a yes to the things, you know, that I don't like. And like you say, it doesn't mean that I have to like them. It just means letting it be. Right. right. I, that, I find that language easier sometimes than allowing or accepting because those seem to carry more of a sense that I like approve or right. I'm saying yes in a I like it kind of way. So I finally found this language of let it be, just let it be, let it exist. Stop, stop arguing with life. Right. Right. Is and really arguing is a form of judgment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And if we stop and actually examine our lives on a daily basis, we'll discover that we're spending an awful lot of time in resistance and judgment. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it can be a little it's overwhelming when first. Yeah. When you first. It's habitual. I yeah. think humans just do it as a habit. We right. go through life dividing things and judging or categorizing right there, which I think right. is a very human thing to do, right? Right. Um, I, yeah, it's constant. I, I, and I think it's actually, I think it's our ego that uh, is responsible for the categorizing and the labeling. 
Yeah. Because ultimately, as we know, our ego is the function that keeps us alive, right? Protects us and keeps us alive. Yeah. And unfortunately for uh, our experience, what happens is the ego can sort of take over. And if we don't have uh, parents when we're little that moderate that takeover that the ego does for us, we end up growing up um, thinking that uh, saying no and resistance and judging and labeling things is actually a, a good way to go through life. When you become a little more in, enlightened about how life is working, you, you begin to realize that trying to stay more in a place of uh, neutrality is of great benefit, right? Uh, instead of, and because what we, we're in a habit of, if we're in a room with people and the news is on, we're in a habit, typically, of most of us, of uh, exchanging judgments about what we're seeing on the, on the news. Uh, and and it, that's just one example of how we collectively perpetuate this mindset that we're all tending to live in of judgment and resistance to what's showing up. And it definitely is an ego thing in that the ego is trying to protect the housing. Right. The housing is vulnerable to death and destruction and disease and all those things, homelessness, poverty. These are all really issues of the housing and the ego is trying to protect the housing so when you look at it that way, categorizing and judging makes a lot of sense because we're looking at things like bear, dangerous, you know, ice cream, yummy. It's like categorizing is how the ego tries to do its job of right. taking care of the housing. Right. Warm, soft, sleep, rest, you know, hard, cold. Right. run away or whatever you know what i mean right. like trying right. to think about primitive person and how we have to make these judgments or we could die if right you think the bear is sweet and cuddly instead of big and dangerous you know he could like take his big paw and whack your head off so it's a survival thing so it makes sense that it's very deeply ingrained right and um back in those primitive days, I believe, is is when our problems really started. <laughs> because uh, I like to call it the unintended consequence of creation. Uh, and the unintended consequence of creation, number one, is gravity and the effect that gravity has had on our uh, beings. So uh, without being able to remember why, if you were a primitive person, a cave person, or you know, one of the first humans on earth, uh, if you didn't remember why you came here, it would become very frightening to you know, walk out of whatever uh, cover you had and greet some kind of wild animal. If you didn't remember 
that, for example, uh, the wild animals were there to serve you and uh, that ultimately divinity would keep you safe. There was no connection at that point. People didn't know or remember why they came here. And so they saw those things as, as viable threats and responded to them that way. So very early on, in the very, very beginning, is when things actually started to go awry in terms of our connection to source and to divinity. So we have centuries now of people in society who, who just, they don't know simply because it's not been taught, simply because it's been forgotten by most people. And I definitely agree about gravity because one of the things that I think happens and I think happened to me is like when you're, when you're in formlessness, that state of pure beingness, not in a physical form, you have no conception of like gravity and of how heavy it feels when you do, you know, corporalize whatever come into physical form. There's a different word, but like, I know that I feel like that is a thing that happened to me. I had no idea how heavy it would be being in, embodied, you know? And you think you'll still have that lightness and that ability to just kind of, I mean, rise above or something like float. And I don't know, just the thing that I think is true is that sometimes when we come into form, gravity is just way heavier than we expect. And so that makes life feel harder than we expect. Definitely. You know? It definitely is. I was excited uh, just last night to discover Carolyn Miss or Mice, M-Y-S-S. Yes, -S, uh, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Has a, has a new book. Uh, and I just don't want to say the wrong name here. So let me get into my Kindle app and look at it. Um it, and the, the book is called Defying Gravity. That's the title of it. Healing Beyond the Boundaries. Uh, let's see. It shows me the cover and then it takes me right back. Um, title page. Healing Beyond the Boundaries of Reason. Oh. And uh, uh, it... it appears to be an excellent, excellent read. I just started it, but I was very happy to, um, to, to see such a profound uh, author. She's an excellent, excellent um, mysticist and, and uh, extremely wise uh, talk about gravity. The other thing that she talks about in, I think it's in the introduction of this book, is um and now i i just lost my train of thought um hang on a second here oh well i think it'll come back to me um 
Well, one of the things that she said in the introduction is that people are missing the feeling of awe and connection. And I think that that's um, definitely a part of, of our human experience at this point, because we're not connected to source. And so, um, or we don't, we don't have a, we don't have a, a feeling of our connection, many of us, most of us. And so, uh, one of the things that we fear is change. And it, what, what society doesn't realize in general is that we're all on a mystical path together. And uh, it's that togetherness that has really been lost in terms of society and, and working together where we, we think we're individuals and we think we're separate. Um, and, uh, and, and that really keeps us separate. It perpetuates the issues, right? Yeah. It perpetuates the separation. Mary, anything to add? Mm, just agreeing that with that, thinking we're separate perpetuates the separation. It was making me feel sad. <laughs> making, making me feel sad that people don't care about each other, you know? Only in like huge tragedies, then we find the ability to care. But like just the everyday, like, you know, I live in San Diego, which has a huge homeless population. And there's these massive tent cities in certain locations. And, you know, I mean, A, people don't know what to do, but B, if everybody cared about everybody like they mattered, people would find something to do, you know? I'm stopping myself from going off into a rant about billionaires okay. right here. <laughs> okay. right. Let's remind you people, know. if you have a, a question you'd like to, to uh, talk about, you can uh, call or text the studio line that's on the screen, 907-351-3003. You can email your questions to questions at walkingthroughyourwalls.com. You can join us uh, via the Zoom broadcast, and let me get you that number. Uh, mm -hmm -hmm. I thought I had that more handy. Hang on, folks. <laughs> so to use that, you would go to Zoom and put join meeting, and this would be the meeting ID that Linda is about to give you. Right, right. I need to put it on a sticky note so it's right on my screen and I don't have to hunt for it. Well, oh, we're still wild. getting all our ducks in a row. This is wild. Yes, we are getting our ducks in a row. Here it is. Okay, so the Zoom number would be 886-8976-8646. Okay, at the last, uh, hang on a second, I just need to clear my throat. Okay, during the last uh, broadcast, one of the subjects that came up was the idea of 
stuffing our emotions. What happens when we stuff our emotions and don't process them? And we said we'd come back to this and talk about it because uh, this, is a, this is a big, big hurdle for people to uh, understand. We are physical beings but we are animated by our souls. Our souls uh, are perpetual. So when our housing, our bodies die, our souls do not die. The awareness that is you, the consciousness that you feel and are aware of, that continues. That doesn't die. And there's lots of information out there about, you know, out-of-body experiences and near-death experiences. And, and um, in that realm, you'll, you can learn a lot about how it works, right? I had, I've had a near-death experience. I've had an out-of-body experience. And so I'm, I'm very familiar with how that feels and how it works when you're having it. And it becomes very clear. Once you had an experience like that, if you if you ever do, it's you'll never be the same because you'll be instantly informed about how this housing, this body that you you think you are, you aren't, right? You live in it. It serves a purpose for you in order to be here in this physical realm to experience what's happening here. You aren't this body. But so what happens when you uh, have something that is traumatic? And unfortunately, in a physical body, starting when we're very little, our perception is there are things that happen that are traumatic. And they're disturbing, they're frightening, and they're scary, and they're painful, potentially. Quite often, what will happen is something happens, and we'll, we'll know that it wasn't a good thing. It didn't feel like a good thing. It didn't seem like a good thing. It wasn't pleasant. It didn't feel good. Whatever it might be, there'll be a judgment about it, right? It, it was not good. It was bad. It was painful. It was unhappy. And without good support, from the other human beings and, and souls around us, we may not process that emotion. And the reason it's important to process that emotion is because the housing that you're living in, if, if you don't process it, what happens is those emotions become trapped. They're energy. Everything's energy, right? come back to that premise that it's all energy. Put everything under the, the strongest microscope we have and it all looks the same. It doesn't matter what you put there. It's all the same and it's all moving. So if we have an experience where something is painful and it hurts us, we take that and we tend to do this thing we call stuff it. We don't process it. We don't 
go into a place of understanding the energy and how it came to be. We just take it and we squirrel it away like a nut. We bury it because we don't know. And a lot of times we do that because looking at what happened just brings it all back up again, right? And makes us more uncomfortable. So we don't want to do that. And so we push it away. This is functioning of the ego, the ego of the body to protect us, right? To make it so we can go on, to make it so that we'll get up the next day and keep going. Well, what happens is those emotions can become basically trapped energy within the body and they can start to cause health problems. So I, I can share a perfect example of, of one of these situations. Cancer is caused by a number of different things. It can be caused by toxins. It can be caused by, you know, exposure, overexposure to various products. But another form of cancer is basically stuffed emotions, buried emotions that haven't been dealt with. So the example I'm going to share is um, I have a friend that has uh, that that was diagnosed by their dentist because uh, the dentist discovered and and those of you that are old enough know that years ago dentists did not do an oral exam with their hands they didn't stick their hands in your mouth and feel all around but that's something that dentists have started to do and this friend of mine was at the dentist and the dentist discovered this lump on the roof of the person's mouth. Now, what came into light as we talked about this diagnosis and where it was, where the cancer was located, this friend of mine, when they were little, used their mouth as a weapon against their parents. So when they were angry with their parents, they wouldn't talk to them and they refused to eat. And so I see, uh, I instantly saw a direct connection between this cancer that had formed in this person's roof of their mouth and the behavior that they uh, indulged in when they were little because what they were doing was they were stifling their emotions, their communication, their connection with their parents you, by using their mouth as a, as a weapon, basically, as punishment. The, the, my friend was so angry with their parents and so unhappy that they would just uh, adopt this attitude of silence and it would go on for days perhaps so in the end it didn't seem all that surprising that when he discovered that he had cancer that it was in his mouth and of course once you you uh, can identify your buried emotions and you process them a lot of times uh, I like to use uh, self-compassion process to process them. 
you end up letting them go. And when you let them go or put them down, you end up feeling a lot better and a lot lighter because the, the weight basically of hanging on to things that don't feel good is, is, uh, is, is a drag. It's a drag on your whole energy system. Mary, do you have anything to add or comment? Hmm. I did. Let's see if it will come back. Trapped emotions. So, you know, part of the issue here is that as children, we're actually discouraged a lot of times from expressing our emotions, right? In the olden days, it was very much children are supposed to be seen and not heard. And if you cried, it was, I'll give you something to cry about. Um, and, you know, we still have little boys like, you know, man up, men don't cry. And girls, you know, being told that they're being hysterical because they have emotions. It's like, Part of it is that, you know, I mean, as we grow up, hopefully we're not contributing to the problem of discouraging people from having their full range of emotional responses and including ourselves, you know, it can be very difficult if you grew up in a repressive environment to then allow yourself to have your full range of responses. And if you don't, you know, a lot of times, like, people don't really know how to deal with emotions. Like, I remember when my dad died when I was in college, one of my friends was with me at the time, and I started crying, and her reaction was, well, I'll leave you alone, which was the last thing I wanted. But I know that part of that was just, you know, 18-year-old woman who doesn't have a clue how to handle the grief that I was feeling, you know? So that's part of it is just as a society, I think we've improved a lot in the past several decades, but there's still a ways to go with, you know, allowing, allowing everyone to have the full range of their emotions. And then we need to learn how to, you know, as witnesses just the new expression is hold space. Like we don't have to solve things or tell people what to do, but we can learn to be a safe place to witness somebody's emotional response so that we all know it's okay. It's okay to be where we are and feel what we feel. Yes, yes. Exactly. Exactly. And that's part of it, right? Is that as little children, we're so often told not to be how we are. Yeah. Not to be how we are, not to be how we are. And um, like how we are is unacceptable. That's right. what we're taught so often. Right. 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 I know I personally experienced that as a young child because as a young child, because I came in awake, um, I was, I was very, 
uh, I guess, free with my, with the information that I came in with. And I, I basically learned it's much better to just stay quiet, right? Just be quiet because <laughs> you, otherwise you draw attention to yourself and you get into trouble. It's not pleasant, right? That was the thing as a little child I never understood. It's like, I'm so full of joy and, and life and you keep telling me to be quiet and shut up and don't say those things and don't talk about that. and. It's very frustrating when you're little. <laughs> so painful. So yeah. painful. Like you can't just be who you are. And who you are was this little bundle of joy. Right. Oh, it's so sad. Well, it, it, but at the same time, life is right. So I don't judge it as sad. It's, it's what it was. It was yeah. what it was. And, um, and if we, if we stay open to receiving uh, divinity's guidance, then we get where we need to go. We get where we're supposed to be ultimately. Yeah. But a lot of times we're not encouraged to go within. Um, that's, that's another piece of it, right? Is that the answers... Yeah the answers to pretty much all questions are really within. So, you know, even us doing this broadcast, uh, the, real, the real answer to every question is ultimately to go within because that is where all the answers ultimately exist. We are divinity in form. And so we're 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 we have it all yeah it's just learning how to access it learning how to tune into it learning how to listen and our egos are so strong in their role of protecting us and keeping us safe that it it does take a conscious effort to overcome the influence of our egos i think And the programming, which I guess is, you know, the ego is the one that's programmed. Um. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um. All right. Well, let's change gears here for a minute. And uh, let's take on a different topic entirely. Okay. Let's take on the topic of time. So here's a question. When you talk about how time doesn't exist, I think that can be a bit esoteric for most people. In this 3D world, the evidence that time does exist is all around us. Things, uh, things are born, grow, live, and die. How do we reconcile this? So this is a great question, really great question. Time uh, is uh, what we call the fourth dimension, right? And uh, one, of the, one of the best ways to describe time was something that Deepak Chopra once said, 
I mean, he's probably said it more than once, but uh, I just remember very distinctly the day that I heard him say this. Because when he said it, it totally explained the experience of time that I've been, I had been having. And what he said was, time doesn't exist. We have created time in order to experience life. Because ultimately, everything's happening at once. Now, that can be uh, really hard to wrap your head around, how everything can be happening at once. That would mean that Nazi Germany is still happening or is happening. It would mean that uh, uh, World War I is happening. It would mean that, uh, uh, you know, Hiroshima is happening, that it's all happening right now in this same moment as everything else that we're experiencing. I like to uh, envision a spiral, a, a circle, but, that is, that, but that's a spiral, right? This, and basically, uh, you can turn in any direction in this spiral and be in that moment. But right now we're in this moment. Um, and so it, it's, it's why healing is in this form in, in your current life. It's why healing what's, what you're experiencing as dis-ease right now is so critical. Because when you heal anything, whether it's an emotional trauma or a physical trauma, when you heal it in this lifetime, you heal it in all lifetimes. And, and that's powerful stuff, really powerful stuff. I encourage people not to get too hung up about the idea of time because it is this creation that is not really, it's not real. It is a, a fabrication, if you will, of how things work. And I need to cough, hang on a second. <laughs> so, I had a healing once a healing session once by a gentleman um, by the name of Alan Mesher. And Alan's gift is to be able to, and these are my, my words describing what happens for him, not his words. Uh, but he, he was able to transcend the physical and tap in at the energetic level with people. And basically, the uh, when I went to the I went to a talk that he did, and basically the topic of the talk was healing present day traumas through past life regression. And so right there, right you 
right away we end up in a, a place that doesn't make sense because if there's no such thing as time, then how can you have a past or a future? So it's not really a past progression. It's really just a, a an alternate life. <clears throat> if we adopt or accept the notion that there is no such thing as linear time and that everything is happening once, then all lives are current in existence at some level. And so what I was able to do was he worked with people and connect to them in other levels, in other layers of their lives. So for me, he uncovered a life that I was or am having in Nazi Germany. And uh, I will tell them that was an hour-long meeting that we had, an hour-long healing session. And it was probably the best punch I've ever spent my entire life because so much healing happened as a result of that session with him. And so I know you're, you're kind of cutting in and out a little bit, Linda. Um, I didn't hear what you said after that was the best session. Now you look frozen. Yeah, so we're having a little audio issue. Um, I'm plugged in order, so I'm not sure. What is oh, still doing it? I don't know what to do either. How vexing! Yeah, cutting in. I wonder if you turn off the camera for a little bit. Not that I don't want to see your face, but. I don't know anything what you said before. Oh. Uh, hmm. I don't know what we're having. Relaxing. Let me say one thing while you're, and then maybe when I'm done saying the thing, your problem will be better. That's my dream. Can you hear me okay? That's oh, completely frozen. Um, the time thing, I asked my brother about this because I have confusion, have had confusion around it. And the thing that he said was it's like the universe was born in a moment and then in the next moment it ends and everything that's happening is like between moment one and moment two. And that sort of helped me to conceptualize how it could all be happening at once. If anybody else finds that useful, that's all. Uh, uh oh, <laughs> maybe Linda's going out and coming back because now I see that I'm the only one here. Hmm. 
Well, all time is happening at once. So somewhere in time, she's here with me and we're having this conversation. It's definitely more fun when she's here on the screen with me. It's a good opportunity though, to have to kind of roll with life as it unfolds, right? Isn't that part of what we've been talking about? I will not resist the fact that my co-host is gone and I'm here alone on the screen. I will accept that that's what happened. That means this is right. I trust in the unfoldment. That's how I put it to myself. And at difficult times, I remind myself, you know, it's like how it's unfolding is right. And I know that because that's what's happening. Um, I don't know if I shared this movie quote on this podcast before, but I will probably share it, you know, many times throughout the course of this, depending on how long it goes on. Um, life is right in any case. My heart is as open as the sky. And I rarely remember movie quotes, but I've remembered that one since the first time I saw it. And the movie is called Kama Sutra. And this woman has gone through a lot of stuff. There is a lot of wonder water under that bridge at this point. And this is the very last, the ending of the movie. Um, she's walking away from that town and she's saying, life is right in any case. My heart is as open as the sky. So to me, that's kind of what we've been talking about all along, right, Linda? Linda's back, hooray. <laughs> We have faith that the unfoldment is happening as it's meant to, no matter what it is, even if it's my co-host disappearing. And our job is just to keep our heart as open as possible and keep creating this, this love world, right? I forget, beloved society, that's what it is. Okay, Linda. You aren't frozen, so that's a good sign. <laughs> I got kicked out again. I implemented Wi-Fi. I don't know. I don't know what I'm on now. I don't know if it's if I'm plugged into the. I mean, I'm plugged into the router, but I don't know what happened. Uh, and I don't know if turning Wi-Fi helped. I did try to reach out to, uh, you know, Streamyard because they. Uh, uh, because they said uh, to contact them while we're live if we had problems again. Oh, that's good. So, and at one point I got a message that said, it's a problem. It's not your fault. Uh, so I, I, mm. I don't know. I Interesting. Don't. So you were talking about that healing session that you had right. and how it was sort of the best the best thing ever. And that's sort of, I don't know if you had more to say about that because that's sort of when you froze and then disappeared. Uh, hang on a second. Now I just have to ask or answer these chat people here. Um, okay. It's an adventure. I like to say is. technology is great when it works. 
Then there are those other times I prefer not to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. So uh, that healing session uh, with Alan Mesher healed several things for me, cleared several things. Uh, One of the things that I had really come into life with was uh, uh, anytime something was not fair it really was a trauma for me as a little child Uh fairness was this issue that uh seemed really important to me yeah it seemed really important that people be honest and tell the truth and 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 if you said you were going to do something that you did it yeah me too uh, well what we discovered from that healing was that my uh, passing in the lifetime in Nazi Germany, when I passed, it was an unfair event. I had been promised I would not be put to death. I had been promised uh, uh, salvation from uh, what was happening in the life I was living. And in the end, uh, none of those uh, promises were held. They were all broken. And I was gassed in a gas chamber along with everybody else. And uh, my dying words that came out from this healing session, the last words I uttered in that lifetime were this, this isn't fair. Uh This isn't fair. And so it makes perfect sense that the next life I would have would start out uh, with unresolved fairness issues. Uh And so that's one of the things that got cleared. And it got cleared on that day. And I have never since had the same kind of trauma around uh, things not being fair. That's very interesting. Uh, the, the other thing uh, 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 the other thing that it cleared was uh, I had been having a significant back pain in uh, 1981. I worked at a candy store in New York city and something happened where I injured my back in a very significant way, my lower lumbar. And this was years later, but I still had a lot of back issues. It took years and years to get to a point where I could, walk. And even then, uh, when I was walking, it was not without total pain. It was not totally without pain. There was always still pain. And quite often I would come home and I would lay on the floor and I was, I would ask my husband to, you know, pop my back. Um, I'm trying to have a conversation with the tech person. She wants me to do a speed test, but I'm like, I'm right in the middle of a broadcast. Uh, um, so we're supposed to end this at, at noon. In so a minute, right. So, um, You would ask your husband to pop I would pop ask your my back. husband to pop my back. And after this session with Alan, I never again had to ask him to do that. 
So there was there were both emotional and physical things that changed in my life after that one healing. Um, so it it uh, I thought I'd share that because I think our personal experiences can be helpful for other people. I agree. Um, so we are at the top of the hour. Again, we have to apologize for technical issues. But they uh, weren't our fault. <laughs> uh, so uh, we did have one person who for some reason couldn't get in. I have that text message here. Um, so we're still Dear. still still having technical issues folks i appreciate your indulgence and uh forgiveness <laughs> we're going to try this again next week we'll be here again at 11 o'clock alaska time which is noon uh, pacific time 3 p.m eastern time and i don't have the rest of the list but i know when i post it i always include those again for the future if you'd like to submit your questions ahead of time, you can do that by either calling or texting the studio phone number at 907-351-3003. We can also uh, send an email to questions at walkingthroughyourwalls.com. If you'd like to reach out to Mary directly, you can reach her at marylaughsloud at gmail.com. Thank you all for joining us today, and we'll hope you'll uh tune in the next time those of you that are following along on the podcast we are uh <clears throat> still setting up some of the podcasts we're using anchor for the distribution so you should be able to find it immediately on anchor when you're done when we're done today and for past and future um also apple and google should be streaming at this point and the other uh platforms I'm getting uh, up to speed on, Stitcher, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, CastBox, and Overcast. Eventually, and, we'll show up on all of those. And it would be under the name Let's Become a Beloved Society? Correct. Let's okay. Become a Beloved Society. Exactly. Very good. All right. Thank We're you, Mary. <laughs> Thank you, everyone who was here. And uh, I appreciate you all. And we'll see you next week. Namaste. Much love. Much love.